0: Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, and welcome, after what's been a while, back to Life in the Pit. It's been uh, over five months since I've been with you, and. Why it's been so long is really one reason, and that is my other podcast, The Musician Toolkit, which I started on January 2nd. And I really thought, by this point in June, that I would be four, five, six weeks ahead and be able to take time to at least, you know, occasionally have some episodes of Life in the Pit. But thus far, that's been wishful thinking, and it has taken me this long to get about two weeks ahead. But I did happen to have a plan this month that I was going to share with you uh, the good news that I do have an upcoming interview just for Life in the Pit, and so this podcast was going to make a return. It's going to make its first 2023 appearance this month. Uh, That's still going to happen. It's later this month. But some things have happened recently, and, and it's not often that pit musicians make the national news. But we have a story that affects New York pit musicians, specifically those who are members of the Local 802 AFM, which is the basically the musician union for the Broadway houses. Now that's one side of the battle, the other side of the battle are the producers for a musical that is going to be, or is scheduled to be opening in on Broadway in just a matter of weeks, and that is the show Here Lies Love. So I'm recording this on Thursday night of June 1st, uh, for this to come out tomorrow morning, Friday, June 2nd, and I just thought that this is very timely, this has uh, all happened this week. And it's something that I thought, Life in the Pit needs to talk about this. This is, again, music about pit musicians. Uh, But I don't live in New York, and I'm not a member of the Local 802. So I wanted to talk to someone from New York who is a member of the Local 802. And so this is New York music director and keyboardist Jason Lafredo. And he will tell you more about himself as we have an interview. This was a very impromptu. I asked him literally about two or three hours before we we recorded uh, if we could have this conversation, and uh, he was generous enough to come on to help explain the situation and just talk about uh, speculate on what maybe some of the uh, outcomes and ramifications can be of this. So this is a serious issue, but it's one that we don't necessarily have all the facts on, and and we'll talk about that. So, this is a very important conversation, and I'm very happy to be joined by my guest today, Jason LaFretto. So there is a story uh, that has been big. It's actually put pit musicians in the limelight (laughs) uh, or the spotlight. And, uh, you know, and maybe not in the most positive of news lately, but it's something that I definitely wanted to talk about. And I wanted to have somebody to talk to me about it. Someone who's kind of knows the New York scene and can help me with that. So I've got Jason Lafredo to chat with me about this today. So Jason, welcome. Uh, Welcome to Life in the Pit. Thanks for having me on, David. And uh, so, just to be transparent here, normally when I have guests on, uh, I've done about a week's worth of research, and, you know, I've got (laughs) a a list of questions. This is completely off the cuff. It'll be largely unedited, (laughs) and uh, I just wanted to... Just to give you a chance, just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of like what you do and, you know, I- I- anything you've worked on recently.
1: Sure. Uh, I'll give you the uh, quickest version I can. Uh, I'm New York keyboard player, um, conductor, pianist, etc. Uh, i been playing Broadway since 2006 and off-Broadway as well. Uh, my first major show in New York was Alter Boys way back in 2005. My first Broadway show as a sub was... Um, uh, Xanadu in 2006 and since then I've been a sub on I think it's I think the numbers approaching 25 shows Wow. Um, and uh, I, I was also the chairholder as, as the associate music director and as the music director uh, for kinky boots I ended up closing the show uh, at kinky boots in 2019 uh, since then I've just done a couple other Broadway sub gigs the last one was uh, mr. Saturday night which uh, closed in September Currently, the only thing I'm on right now is the Off Broadway show, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, as a sub. So,
0: okay. Well, you know, I understand for for a lot of you guys, uh, <laughs> post pandemic has you know maybe sped back up a little slower than other parts of society. So.
1: Yeah, it's certainly true, and also, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm not that old, but, you know, right. I'm getting a little bit older, so my, my uh, interests are diverting. I'm also teaching at NYU, so there's other things that are going on besides pit playing. So, you know, right. it, it and it is cyclical. It comes and goes, so.
0: Okay. Well, one of, on my list of topics I've always wanted to talk about in the show, and I've never got into it, is... Uh, I want to talk about unions and Broadway. I want to talk about like sure. the local 802 and and so forth. But I wanted to talk about it for like why it's a good reason to join and so forth. <laughs> uh, th- this is not the news I was expecting to talk about. But mm. um, Jason, tell tell us about what's going on in the news lately. Why? <laughs> what, what is going on <laughs> with with I, here? I have lies no love. idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have a we have a little bit of a of a situation up here in New York with a with a new show called Here 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 Lies Love uh, by David Byrne, and um, it is a large show going into the second largest Broadway theater in New York uh, called the Broadway Theater. Yeah, and um, it is a uh, a show with an all Filipino cast, which is unique and interesting, and and all this great stuff about that is amazing and all that stuff. But um, they are trying to do the show without any musicians they're trying to do it with zero musicians with completely pre-recorded tracks right. and of course with uh broadway shows we have a collective bargaining agreement that states among a lot of other things that um basically if you go into a broadway theater you have to use broadway musicians and every theater has a certain minimum that they have to meet so um, this particular theater, the Broadway theater, has a, a minimum musician um, a quota that you need nineteen musicians at, right? So right. they're trying to go from nineteen to zero. Mm-hmm. So that's the situation. That's what we're fighting. Um, just getting a little into it a little bit further. You know, the, the eight hundred two contract since uh, I don't know the exact year, but it was, um, you know, in recent-ish memory, maybe sometime in the 90s, I'll have to look this up, but uh, we the, the, the contract added what's called a special situation clause, which sort of allows for um, a, a piece for artistic reasons to use a smaller orchestra than what's uh, scheduled as the minimum for that theater. And this has been used many, many times since that special situations clause uh, came into effect. So a great example of that was, uh, do you remember that show Rock of Ages several years ago? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well that went into the I think it was the Brooks Atkinson theater Mm -hmm. Which uh, I'm just looking at the thing here uh, had a minimum of eight um, But it was a rock band and and a rock band is traditionally five people two guitars bass drums and keyboards so you know It was sort of a clear-cut Situation where it's like this is a rock show based on 80s hair band music like it's it needs five people you don't need three other people so um, they applied for a special situation, and everybody agreed. Yeah, this makes sense. We'll, we'll let it be five instead of eight. Um, but that's certainly not the issue here. They're they're trying to, you know, get away with a a piece that's you know in, is going into a theater that's supposed to be 19, and they're trying to say, well, my vision here is zero, which is kind of unique, first of all, and um, you know, uh, without trying to get too. Uh, uh, whatever about it, it's it's definitely questionable at best.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, now, I, I should have put this disclaimer at the front. I'll go ahead and say it now. So, um, you know, what we're talking about is based on, you know, the facts that we have, and anytime that we're talking about contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, I, I, and I know I'm not a lawyer. I assume you're not either. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So, that we probably don't have all of the facts in hand, so so anything we say, you know, it's it's also opinionated, it is skewed, and it's subject sure. to change based yeah. on what's going on. So uh, yeah, I don't in. Our t- intention here is not to, uh, sure. you, know, you know, to uh, throw stones at anybody, but just to kind of just illuminate the situation. So,
1: yeah, and uh, and I, you know, I appreciate you, when you asked me to do this, uh, you know, I appreciate the, the sort of context for it, which is that, you know, not every musician in the United States is a New York musician, right? <laughs> you know, there's only a certain amount of us and they don't really know what's in that contract in the, in the local 802 uh, Broadway contract. It's very specific. And this is a very unique part of it that the whole idea about having a house, minimum of musicians in any theater so it you know it's definitely unique Um, it is a collective bargaining agreement or a CBA and essentially what that means is that all of the Broadway theaters um, you know negotiated uh, by the Broadway League Um, They're all lumped together, and they all agree to this contract by default, basically. So every theater in New York that's defined as a Broadway theater is bound to this contract. And it's the same with the other unions. It's the same with Actors' Equity. It's the same with uh, the Stagehand Union Local One. It's just the way that works. There's a Broadway theater. You go into that theater, just the... The, the, the contract that you agree to just by signing up to go into that theater is, is all of these CBAs, and the, the house minimums for the Local two is one of those CBAs, or one of those uh, agreements that you're agreeing to.
0: Yeah, and uh, just to kind of... You know, just to kind of throw this into, like, a, let's compare New York to, you know, my community. So, mm-hmm. you know, I live in Winston-Salem, uh, North Carolina, and we've got a lot of theaters around here. And, and some of them have said we will only use live music. It's our, it's our vision to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got, I know some theaters that, um, you know, we want to do a lot of shows per year. And we're community theater, and it's just too expensive to have a live band for every show so a lot they just offset it with tracks. And I mm-hmm. know a couple of theaters they use tracks because they only seat like 50 people and they have mm-hmm. a little tiny stage and there's just no room for the musicians. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons. Um, so you know, there're situations and I don't I don't think, you know, I for one would definitely say not condemning the use of tracks, but what we're talking about here is a special situation. So it's it's really what we're questioning is it sounds like, based on the news, that there may be a breach of contract going on. It's a possibility.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's that's that may end up being the the likely outcome with this. And, and you know, I, I always have to say this: like, when you know, a contract is a contract. It's not it's not like a law, and there's not like, you know, there's not like an army that's going to enforce the law. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It, it's a at the end of the day, it's a contract dispute, and people. Uh, it it happens all the time just people ignore the terms of a contract right you know and and ultimately that's might that might end up being what's going to happen is that they're just going to open the show with zero musicians and it's going to be a protracted sort of legal
0: battle over the contract and right you know we'll see now I've heard some I've well I've seen a lot online. So it, you know it's kind of funny if you're not in these music director groups or have you know mm-hmm. certain friends you might not even see anything but if you if you are it's everywhere you know among certain yeah. circles right now. <laughs> and you know one of the things that I saw that made sense I don't think it doesn't sound like it'll happen but you know a real easy solution would be Pick another venue (laughs) Mm -hmm. and one that supports no live musicians, and then everybody, you know. I mean, I I personally don't want to see a show of this magnitude done to and a karaoke style, but at the same time, legally, there's not really an issue of that at that point. But uh, so that's one thing that they could do, but I don't, there may be some stubbornness. I don't know if that's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking about it this way, too. It's like, you know, sometimes you think about like a like a community with an HOA, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like a homeowners association. Like in some ways, Broadway is an HOA. You know, it's like you move into that type of community because you get access to the pool and, you know, uh, common ground maintenance and and that sort of thing. But there's also an HOA fee. There's also rules that you have to follow. You can't paint your house pink, for example. You know what I mean? Like stuff (laughs) like that. And with Broadway, it's the same thing you get when you move into a Broadway house, and there's literally a limited amount of them. There's like 40 of them, you know? When you move into a Broadway house, you get all of the benefits of being a Broadway show, which include, you know, just the fact that you can say that you're a Broadway show, period, is a big one. But there's also other stuff like, you know, um, uh, common advertising uh, common advertising that the, the league will do just, uh, you know, collectively for Broadway. Um, there's like outreach programs like, you know, Broadway in the Boroughs. Um, A lot of stuff like that, you know, and and you get access to that, and it's pretty much, you know, free for you as a Broadway show. But as we say, you got to pay the HOA fees, (laughs) you know, and adhering to those contracts is part of that. Now, I I totally agree with what you're saying, and I actually absolutely agree. Like, if this is really what they want to do, there are other theaters in New York that are not Broadway theaters, Mm -hmm. and they don't have this collective bargaining agreement attached to them. They could have moved into any of those theaters and done this, you know.
0: But you know, it sounds like they want to call themselves a Broadway show, and they want to charge Broadway prices, and <laughs> they they <laughs> and want things. their cake and they want to eat it too. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, would you? I, again, we're speculating here. Would, mm-hmm. What do you think? So, you probably said it already, but what do you think are the next steps? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's just going to be a breach of contract? They open the show anyway, or 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 what? You know, what do you foresee? As possible outcomes here, <laughs>
1: it's hard to say. Like I, I know that there's uh, you know some of the rumblings about like you know the special situation. There's a whole procedure for it, and part of it's like you're supposed to you know. Uh present the special situation request to the union like right after you find out that you're going in and apparently that didn't happen and somebody was dragging their feet and like you know it was announced in February but it wasn't until April when they started meeting and then it just obviously nothing ever got resolved and things have just been happening and it's hard to say why that is you know you can speculate maybe they've been you know just kind of delaying and delaying or whatever but you know, at this point, we're it's two weeks out. You know, right. and uh, they, yeah, they could, they could agree to something tomorrow. They could actually agree to a special situations that's that would give them a minimum less than 19. They could say, well, let's make it 14 or something. You know, and and they could agree to that and put that in place. But at this point, you know, getting an orchestrator in there to do with the things or a transcriber even just to transcribe what he had off the album or the tracks. You know, right. um, copyists. Hiring the contractor, uh, renting the gear, you know, the keyboard programmers, you know, drum programmers, all this stuff. And, and of course, the musicians, um, just getting that all in place within two weeks is a little bit, you know, it's, that's a little bit of wishful thinking. So my thinking is that this is probably going to drag on. For weeks and weeks after the show opens, it may end up that you know if the union wins the situation and they win the arbitration because this will probably go to arbitration and everything, um, the production is going to have to do something. They're going to have to, you know, hire musicians and either just pay them to show up or just you know figure it out and figure out a way to utilize them. You know, right? But it's it's really
0: hard to say. It's hard to say. Now. I just feel like I just should point out a few things. I was just checking some notes. <laughs> Throwing some gasoline on the fire has been the show's own response to this. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've the, – the the phrase that's been kind of cold from their report is, you know, t- talking the AFM as being, you know, artistic gatekeepers has kind of come mm-hmm. out. And the other thing that's also come out, and maybe we could just uh, – this would be one of the last things that we kind of go over, but – comparisons to shows like k-pop and american psycho which had fully integrated you know electronic scores Uh and just uh you know in your opinion how is that a different situation you know for those scores
1: well, you know that's part of the the modern musical these days. I mean, you can't yeah. throw a stone on Broadway without finding a show that's using Ableton to su- support or or supplement uh, live musicians with tracks. Right. I mean, I was on Kinky Boots, and Kinky Boots did that, and it's part of the it's part of the genre of pop music. Of of what's happening now is you mm-hmm. have these sort of looped based tracks and looped based kind of music. You can't do that with live musicians and that's understandable. Um, and the music and the, you know, Local 802 has taken the stance that yes, we are going to accept that because it's it's a genre that's legitimate. It's a method of creating this music that's completely legitimate. We're not going to gate keep that out of Broadway. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It exists for almost, you know, probably at least half of the shows on Broadway now, you know. So it's not like we're attempting to, you know, not have that but the point is that you can have that end live musicians at the same time. And many of these shows like Kinky Boots or Hamilton for example or all these other shows that use loops also use live musicians with those loops. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to you know if you listen to the the album of Here Lies Love or the you know the original off-Broadway cast album or whatever that they did for that there are live musicians on that that album you know there are a lot of electronic stuff that happens there but there's also live musicians there's absolutely no reason why those live musicians that there's no reason why live musicians can't replicate what those live musicians (laughs) were doing in the recording you know what i mean it's yeah it's it's kind of
0: a silly argument
1: to make to be honest
0: yeah i agree um all right uh jason is there anything else uh, any other thoughts we haven't gone over that you think are pertinent that people should know about uh related to this um,
1: I was just thinking, you know, like the, there was sort of like this argument because the sh- the, this particular show has been around for a while. It's like it's been in development for a while. And it's had productions in other places, including. Um, <clears throat> including at The Public, which is an off-Broadway theater in New York. And, you know, one of the arguments that I've heard bandied about about why they should be able to, you know, do the show without musicians is that they did it without musicians in all those other locations. And they're saying, well, there's precedent for that because we this is how it's always been done. Um, the problem with that argument is that, yeah, like, you know, at The the Public, for example, it's, it's not a Broadway theater. There's no CBA for off-Broadway. You know, the off-Broadway... Uh, world is is um, negotiated very à la carte, like each production. Um, you can uh, negotiate it that we have a boilerplate contract for Off Broadway, and you can negotiate or you can actually nitpick and pick things out of it if you need to. Um, but that wasn't done for that production because there's no, no musicians on it, obviously. Um, but that's not the case with Broadway. Broadway is a CBA. You know, you come into the Broadway theater and you, you know, you, like I said, you have to apply. You know, abide by those minimums, but. Um, but yeah, I would just say to that, like, just because it was done one way before doesn't mean it has to be done another way. And also, the public, like, is a 299-seat theater, right? You know? Like, that's, the Broadway is 1,700 seats.
0: Right. <laughs> now, I'm <laughs> not, fi- uh, the only other thing I thought of, I'm not finding it, <laughs> uh, I thought I'd saved it, but, you know, I saw, like, a petition going around, I don't. I don't know if that's something official or if that's even worthwhile or what you think of that.
1: that's the local 802 petition. Um, You know, it's just asking people to just sign a petition in support of, you know, 802, uh, you know, and their efforts to, uh, you know, basically have uh, here's here lies love use live musicians basically you know
0: all right well i'm gonna find that link uh before i think i found it i'm gonna find that link and i'll post that in my show notes i encourage listeners you know uh you know kind of follow your own conscience if this is something that you, if you you're kind of supporting the union cause here mm-hmm. definitely would reach out for you to sign that perti- that sign that, that petition so f- for sure Jason, thank you so much for just helping me uh, to just talk this out. And, uh, you know, what I think is a very important issue and maybe one with future precedent at stake, you know, that's something we didn't really talk about so much. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We don't don't want to, um, you know, if you do it once like this,
0: everybody's going to try and do it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for helping clarify this for us. Sure. No problem. Thanks for having me. And that's going to wrap up this episode, and and indeed, I did find the link that we mentioned for the petition uh, that you can, can sign in support of the local 802 AFM uh, to have live musicians on this production, or at least for this production not to happen without live musicians. Again, I'm sorry for the delay, but I am pleased to report that I... We'll be back with a with a full episode, maybe one that that doesn't deal with so heavy of a subject coming up in a few weeks from now. So toward the end of this month. So uh, we are still at Life in the Pit, although haven't done anything lately. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since we've done anything on social media, but we're still on Instagram and Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. And you can still find out all about this podcast at lifeinthepitpod dot com. Now, we'll say if you haven't checked it out already, I do highly recommend my other podcasts that I'm having really a true blast making every week called The Musician Toolkit. And uh, we have had such a variety of episodes from uh, getting started playing the clarinet to score study to composing for uh, commercial publication to talking to film composers who are working on active series and most recently talking about the heavy metal genre. So it's, uh, it's so much fun. It's all about the craft of musicianship and I think you might enjoy the variety. Okay. Well, that is it for now, but I will be back again soon. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of life in the pit and I'll be back again fairly soon.